the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I know a place where we can go to lay the troubles down, eating your soul. This is Crosswalk, Colorado Springs. Now, your host, Eric Cartier, senior pastor of Rocky Mountain Calvary Church. Like a tide, it is rising up. Crosswalk Colorado Springs. This is Pastor Eric Cartier. Thanks so much for joining me. Hope that you had a wonderful uh, Thanksgiving, a great time with family and friends. A little bit snowy here in Colorado Springs today. Definitely cold outside, so be safe on the roads and hope that you're uh, doing well. Live in studio today, I have Mark Skullberg uh, with me, a good friend. Had the privilege of knowing you a, a lot of years. And Mark has started a ministry called Starting Over on the Inside. So we're excited to hear about that. Also, Mark hosts a show right here on 100.7 every Thursday at 4.30, Partners in the Gospel. So, Mark, thanks for joining me. Eric, it's a pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> How's your day going? It's going well. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, definitely cold. For sure. Definitely cold, yes. Well, this is fun to kind of flip the script because you're uh, yeah. interviewing pastors and ministry partners throughout the, the city and the nation. So yeah. it's, it's a privilege to interview you. And well, thank you. I thought a fun way to start the show is uh-huh. tell us a little bit more about Mark, about, okay. about your family, how you came to know Christ as your Savior. Well, you know, thank you for asking. I mean, somebody hasn't asked me that question in a really long time. Yeah. But um, I came to Christ in, in 1978 in Southern California. And uh, and really was the catalyst of my faith was or my when I came to a place of receiving Christ was my the birth of my son hmm. and God used that to you know turn on the light and uh, for me to uh, realize I, I needed a relationship with God I'd heard the gospel by the way I grew hmm. up in Southern California and I lived one mile from Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa and went to Costa Mesa High School and so I had. Um, uh, all these long hair hippies like myself were, uh, they'd pick me up and take me to Orange Course College when I was hitchhiking. And so mm. I heard the gospel. Yeah. I had the Ben Born uh, again tracks from Greg Laurie, uh, you know, all in my pockets and wow. never, never had the heart to throw them away. <laughs> wow. And I have a whole drawer through them. So anyway, my, when my son was about, uh, really about one year, um, is that somebody shared the gospel? I'd heard it before. It was a Calvary Chapel guy at the time. And, uh, I received Christ in a um, hotel room in Reno, Nevada, and I was not being a good boy at the time. And um, uh, so, but I got on my hands and knees in, in the hotel room with mm. the Ben Boring and track and prayed to receive Christ. Wow. And flushed my cocaine down the drain, the toilet, and and uh, drove my BMW down three ninety five, and I was a changed. I mean, it was the Damascus Road kind of thing. Knocked on my horse, mm. and um, so that was kind of the beginning of my story. And because I was so gloriously saved and bringing a former drug dealer and a drug-infested background like a lot of people in my day, mm. especially in Southern California, I guess. But um, through that, I, I got—I was in Costa Mesa. You know, I lived in San Clemente, so I went to Costa Mesa Calvary and uh, and then um, was a, an elder at, at Dana Point, Chuck Jr.'s son. 
and which is voraciously reading the the scripture mm. and listen to the Bible teaching all day long, five days a week. That's awesome, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't get enough of the word, right? Mm. And anyway, I ended up going to Calvary Chapel Bible College then. Okay, back then, and it had um, to have been just kind of just starting at that point, huh? The Bible College. Uh, yeah, in Twin Peaks in, in Lake Arrowhead. Yeah. yeah, it was you know first year, or second year, something like that. Right. And uh, my sister lived up there too, as well in Lake Arrowhead, Southern California, in the mountains. And you know, went to Bible College there. And fast forward, I went to Israel with Pastor Chuck in 79 or something, and um, uh, I met uh, the who used to be the pastor of Calvary Chapel, Colorado Springs, and uh, we became friends, stayed at my house uh, when the pastor's conferences, and right. anyway, that's how I ended up out here, to come on staff at okay, Calvary Chapel cool. in, 19, that, in 1982, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. so that's, that's the long story sh- uh, short, so yeah. Yeah, there we go. That's yeah. awesome. Well, God, yeah. God's good. He's done a ton in your life. So. Yes, yeah. And then tell us a little bit about Partners in the Gospel. Thursdays, 4.30. Yeah, thank you. You you dedicate a lot of time to that, you know, your heart behind that show. Yeah, you know, the regional manager of Salem had asked me, he knew my background, and I had a radio show a long time ago on a couple other stations here in Colorado Springs, like 30 years ago. And I had a media background, too, with with my role at Calvary Chapel 40-something years ago. We were on TV on the radio, too. And anyway, so it wasn't a big deal to me, but he had asked me, maybe you got to do a radio show because we don't have nothing locally in Colorado Springs. So this is seven or eight years ago. Yeah. And uh, I said, sure. So originally it was an hour broadcast with commercial breaks, and then it just became what it is today, you know, a, a full half hour nonstop without commercial breaks. But, yeah. but But the goal was why it's called Partners in the Gospel, Philippians chapter one, you know, is to partner with people that are doing tangible differences in the backyard of Colorado Springs. Mm. And there's a lot of ministry going on here in the city, as you well know, and a lot of people don't know about it. So yeah. my, my goal was twofold when I started the broadcast. It was really to inform the public of ministries are doing tangible stuff in the backyard mm-hmm. and how they can either step up to donate or give. Right. And so really to kind of give the ministry away, expose ministries in town that maybe people do or don't know of. But that kind of grew into other opportunities of, um, you know, um, politicians, uh, mm-hmm. issues that matter, right. um, uh, authors that I think are, are uh, reasonable to listen to and, yeah. to and and that I would recommend to read. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, it's been a fun thing, really. And, yeah. I, and I'm hoping that the public, um, you know, benefits from it. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you doing it. Thank you. It's Thank awesome. you, Eric. Appreciate that. And then tell us more about uh, starting over on the inside. Like what, what spurred you to... To start that, and I know that's a bit of a, a long story, but yeah. we've got time. I'd love to hear <laughs> how the Holy Spirit Thank birthed you. that. Thank you. Yeah, and it's definitely a God thing. I uh, Many years ago when I was there, by the way, at, at Calvary Chapel Bible College up on the mountain, um, I, I had a prison ministry in the Pilot Rock Prison in San Bernardino. And um, so that was my first exposure. And uh, I think even back then is when God confirmed my gift of teaching, when, when I was ironically to confirm your gift of teaching in a prison environment. <laughs> but Hey, if you can keep a prisoner's <laughs> intention, you got the gift of teaching. Yeah, <laughs> even though it's a captivative audience. But nonetheless, <laughs> nonetheless um, you know, those were the days when you're bringing in maybe some people that are listening would know some of the groups I, I might mention, from Sweet Comfort to Daryl Mansfield, some of the original CCM uh, people. Yeah. Before CCM got big, we'd bring them into the, you know, into the yard and, and have a an altar call and you know so i i had a prison ministry 40 plus years ago and then when i moved out here to come on staff in colorado springs um of course that went away i had gone into prisons here in colorado and jails and other opportunities but never really to do a full-time gig or even be a chaplain but um woodman valley chapels had a prison ministry you know for um 10 years they have an actual uh, staff prison pastor and okay. they have they have a streaming service uh, at Arc Valley Correctional Facility, 
And um, anyway, I, I uh, was asked just to go with a, another ministry into one of the prisons in Kansas City, and I went, and, you know, I, it was fun. It was fun, and I hadn't been inside for, you know, 20 years or something. And um, within about a week, the guy that was leading a Bible study on Monday night at Fremont Correctional Facility, um, he left to go to Lyman Prison, which is, um, you know, the most violent prison here in Colorado. And so he left from, as a chaplain, he left there to go to this other location. And he said, you know, I'm doing this thing on Monday night. Do you, well, you want to just pray about, you know, teaching or something? I said, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll teach next week or something. Yeah. So I taught, and, you know, I, then I ended up hanging out and staying around and ended up teaching a Bible study the next X amount of years. And um, and then the prison itself asked me to be a chaplain. Okay. And so I didn't really, didn't have a goal to be a chaplain, even though I was a chaplain, but I didn't right. have the title, you know. Yeah. And so, but I was, uh, some of the listeners probably know, I was a local ministry director for these stations, you yeah. know, 100.7, KBIQ, and KZNT, and... Um, I had a full-time gig here, you know, right. I, was, I was busy and, and plus I'm doing other stuff, you know, starting right. over has been around 30 years. So, you know, I was a busy person and I didn't, I didn't know what to say and I, I didn't say yes, hmm. and, but I had, I prayed about it and other people prayed for me and I thought, you know what, I'll, fill, I'll do all, it's a lot of paperwork and a lot of vetting and stuff like that, interviews and, and so um, to t- say yes, I don't just say hmm. yes to anybody who wants to be a chaplain. Right. And, um, and so that would be five years ago, six years ago or so. Uh, that I became actually a chaplain at Fremont Correctional Facility. Okay. And so I was continuing to do the Bible study on Monday nights, and then uh, the chaplain facilities for uh, responsibilities, rather, was um, Mondays. I do all day Mondays there. And uh, it, even when I was still on staff here at Salem Media, I was uh, they gave me a kind of a, uh, a ministry opportunity to go down there every Friday, Monday. Okay. In addition Great. to my work in place. I yeah. I think there was enough fruit in the, what I was doing here at the station that they allowed me to do that. That's great. So I was one of the exceptions to to allow that to take place and uh, the concern about revenue income and all that kind of stuff. But hey, God was doing a neat thing. Yeah. And so the regional manager who's up in Denver with Gino um, yeah. was saying, hey, yeah, no, this do it. This is before the new general manager we have here now. Yeah. So anyway... That's what, that's, uh, that's and how so it started. X amount of years later, you know, here I am. That's so, great. Yeah. We're listening to Crosswalk Colorado Springs with Mark Skalberg. Stay with us. We're going to hear more on 100.7 The Word. This is Crosswalk Colorado Springs on 100.7 The Word. Welcome back to Crosswalk Colorado Springs. This is Pastor Eric Cartier from Rocky Mountain Calvary. Hope that you're doing well, navigating the weather. Staying warm, all of those good things. Mark Skalberg is with me. He started starting over on the inside and also uh, is the host of Partners in the Gospel. And Mark, I'm really excited to to hear about what's God doing on the inside? What 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 are some stories when you, you think of ways that you've seen God move? I'm sure you've got a whole list, but what, what rises to the surface? I think what rises to the surface is, as you well know, when you see a transformed life, hmm. when you see someone's life radically changed, um, and that's that's a whole heck of a lot of people. But I think you don't really you see it, you know. But when you see the long term impact uh, of transformation when they get out, that they're actually uh, not going back. That the, the, those proclivities to sin to whatever they did before that got them in this place they are. Um, when you see them making better choices in in planning and investing uh, in um, what's going to make them a better person and um, doing the homework, doing the work, doing the planning. Um, but that's a, that's a process. And, 
you know, just like for someone that comes to Christ on the outside, it's still a process for them too, right? Right. I mean, we have to grow. We have to learn the scripture. We have to be doing the stuff that's our fundamental to the faith. Um, but I think on inside, uh, it, it, I've come to this place for me personally that uh, my best friends are people on the inside now. Wow. Yeah. It's not to say I don't have best friends on the outside, but I mean, sure. I'm probably seeing the prisoners more than I see my friends. And yeah. um, it's just because of being a chaplain, I think. Yeah. And put it this way, you're the pastor of that prison, I guess you could say. And so uh, I I think when you have that relationship, not only um, those those best friends, but I see, I I will could say legitimately that some of the believers inside are the most mature believers I've ever met. Mm. And and, and that might strike some people funny, uh, but you know what? When Jesus is all you got, that's all you got. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've, I've told the prisoners, I tell them all the time, you know, if you don't got nothing, you got him, you got everything you need. That's right. Yeah. But if you don't have him and you got everything, you got nothing. Yeah. And so, I mean, they, they get that. Yeah. For, uh, what my, most people don't know, they get paid, uh, they have jobs inside, okay. various jobs. There's, you know, several prisons in Colorado Springs, 16,000 prisoners in the state, and uh, everything from high level, uh, maximum security to, you know, minimum. Uh, but they make uh, traditionally, let's say, $20 a month. Okay. Okay, and, that, and and they have to buy their own soap and they order your owner, and so you can do the math. So yeah, uh, if they don't make any more money than that, no, some make more than that that are contracted with certain uh, industries that the Department of Corrections allow in. Okay. Uh, but if they make more money, but bottom line is, uh, they have to make the choices to live differently inside. But uh, your perspective and mine is that uh, when the Spirit of God takes residence in someone's life and heart, that's when the light turns on. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, you know, a lot of things I'll, I'll say, who you're trying to impress. Well, they've tried to impress a lot of people in their life, Yeah, who they hang around with, gangs, you know, whatever it may be. Um, but, you know, hey, you don't need to impress anybody but Jesus. That's right. It's the audience of one. And, you know, if you can start there, seek ye first— you can start seeking him first. God's going to do what el- all the other stuff he needs you to do. Yeah. But that means you got to do homework. That means you need to be studying yourself to be approved. That means that um, you're you're taking courses, if you will, that are inside, uh, learning a job skill. Those kind of things, unfortunately, that maybe they didn't know when they were on the outside. Because yeah. it might not be rocket science for some listening, but a lot of them, uh, prisoners, uh, male and female, have a whole family system, not only of dysfunction, but of incarceration. Okay. And so you've got many of their, their parents were addicts. They left them, dropped them off the door. They were raised in the foster system. They've been in and out of prison since they were a juvenile. Mm. That's not all of them, but that's a large percentage of them. Okay. So when you don't have any model, and, and, and you know, unfortunately on the outside, there's a lot of people who don't have models either, role models. Uh, and so when you don't have any at all ever, um, you know, apart from the gospel, what, what, what model are you going to see? Right. So I think when they they get who the, what the gospel is and uh, they receive uh, you know Christ in an authentic way, and they're doing the work as far as Bible study and connecting to the community of the church inside, yeah, then um, they stand a better uh, a better I hate to say percentage, <laughs> but a better opportunity when they get out to not go back to what they used to do. So even if the Spirit of God is residing and they're committed to Christ, they can get around the wrong crowd. Yeah. Bad company corrupts good morals, right? Yeah. And they're going back to the same old thing or the same old people. That's where we come in, hopefully chaplains and case managers and parole officers saying, hey, you know, where are you going? Who are you hanging with? What are you doing? Right? So that they reform, you know, truly reform themselves. But you see the difference, Eric, when someone's making that that transformation on the inside. 
So tell me a little bit more with starting over uh, workshops. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it a like a six to eight week okay. Bible study that the prisoners go through? On the inside, it's also offered on the outside, but on the inside, it's been around 30 years. So, um, But starting over on the inside is really about two, two and a half years old. It's eight sessions. Okay. And it was filmed by Woman Valley Chapels. It's on video. And uh, so it enables the uh, the ministry to, to, without me going in and teaching, it enables it to go into other facilities. I have a trained you know leader, uh, okay. pastor, chaplain. Facilitates. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they do a plug and play, but they have training. They have facilitating training skills for small group discussions. Uh, it's all vetted to Faith and Citizens, which is the, um, the arm of the volunteer uh, vetting of, of people that go into prisons. Okay. Yeah, so it's eight sessions. Yeah. That's so that, that feels like an hour and a half together uh, to two hours, eight times. So there's like 16 hours of investment. And God's opened some amazing doors for you to be able to present that mm-hmm. in a lot of prisons. Tell us about that. Yeah. yeah, and once again, that is a God thing. Thank you for that question. Um, and, and maybe if, if people listen to my broadcast or the broadcast, Partners in the Gospel, I've had um, the executive director of prison, some, you know, um, uh, you know, Dean Williams on my broadcast several times. It's on the podcast too on on one hundred point seven. But the um, I got to know him. He's a believer, flaming evangelical, mm. and um, I showed him the curriculum a couple of years ago, and just said, "Here's here's what I'm doing." I only did it once in one prison as a test. By the way, I didn't mention mm. that. And a hundred people came. Wow. And about twenty five people came to Christ. But these are people that aren't going to chapel, aren't going to Bible study, like would be on the outside, never go to church, you know, they have no relationship right. with anybody as a believer. And they came and they hear the gospel inside, starting over on the inside. They don't know there's the gospel's in there mm-hmm. <laughs> until they're you know, halfway in, right? And so he looked at the curriculum, he goes, Wow, this is Christ centered. And I go, Yeah, and he goes, I've never seen anything like this. I, and he he knows everything that's inside. And then he within 48 hours introduced me to the director of prisons, which is the number two guy underneath the governor. And mm-hmm. um, next thing I know, I'm on a call with him. And, uh, and then he said, what are you doing next Tuesday? And I go, why do you ask? And he says, well, I want you to do a presentation of what you do to all the wardens. It's a mandatory meeting. And I thought, you're kidding me. Like prison fellowship, all the above people, they don't have that opportunity. Mm-hmm. I knew that was a God thing. Yeah. And so next thing I know, I'm doing a presentation on Zoom during the fr- front end of COVID of um to 22 wardens and they're sitting there listening to the presentation powerpoint whatever verbal stuff and they're going they they know it's different right they do know it's christ centered so that was not a secret right um but uh i think they were intrigued by it mm-hmm. then the follow up to that is faith in citizens that vets any kind of program going inside but i had already been a chaplain at that point already been inside for 10 years so they know who i am right yeah and then um they looked at it but once the director in the uh, executive director and the director of prisons went to her, Faith and Citizens, or the organization, and said, hey, we we approve of this program. Mm. And then all of a sudden, she sent an email to not only every warden, which they already knew about it, right? But that means um, um, all the captains, all the all the, um, the hierarchy, the majors, uh, mm. and all the chaplains of the whole state, mm. and every um, volunteer coordinator, which is our lieutenants on the inside, who um, vet the programs to come in. So roughly how many prisons are you in? I mean, we're in 12 prisons. Okay. And we have did 18 workshops in the last 14 months with about 465 graduates. Wow. Praise the Lord. No kidding. That's cool. And it's a God thing. Yeah. So if it wasn't for that conversation and those introductions, it wouldn't look the same as as it is right now. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Can you give us a little bit of a picture of, well, 
we'll capture this right after the break because okay. we're going to head to the break okay. in just a moment. But okay. we'll give a little teaser here. All right. Uh, just what life's like inside. You okay. know, I think a lot of us can kind of imagine and maybe mm. seen a reality TV show, okay. but uh, <laughs> haven't been inside of mm. a prison. So we'll we'll tackle that okay. right after we get back. Perfect. But Perfect. This is Mark Skalberg. If you're wanting to find out more about his ministry, you can go to startingoverworkshops.com. Again, that's startingoverworkshops.com. You're going to want to stay with us because we've got a lot more great stuff on 100.7 The Word. Crosswalk, Colorado Springs on 100.7 The Word. Welcome back to Crosswalk, Colorado Springs. Thanks so much for listening. Hope that you're doing well, that you had a great uh, Thanksgiving. And now we're rolling right into December. We're going to be at Christmas before you know it. And just encourage you in the busyness of the season to take time to meet with the Lord and center in on Christ. Mark Skalberg is with me from starting over on the inside. Really great to have him. Great conversation. And and Mark, one of the things that separates you guys in prison ministry is you also offer stuff uh, for when inmates get out of jail. Mm, right. So tell us about that. Yeah, you know, it's called aftercare. Okay. And um, inside prisons, the terms where it used to be called is pre-release or re-entry. Uh, okay. Getting guys and women that are getting out, let's say, within 12 months or less, and they know they're going to be paroled or they've reached their mandatory release date. They're actually finished their sentence and they're getting out. And so then they each prisoner, by the way, has a case manager inside, like what somebody might think is a social worker. So they have a case manager uh, who's, you know, okay, where are you being paroled to? What city? Do you got a job? Do you have support? You know, what what are you doing? I mean, what? And so, um, but a lot of majority of people who get out of prison don't know what they're doing and they're not prepared. And that's why they come back. Hmm. Um, they they don't have a job, or that's not the case so much lately. Uh, they don't have a job, or they don't, um, you know, uh, have the the, the support. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they don't have the right place to live. Uh, they were paroled in the wrong city. Those kind of things. So, so aftercare is what we do when when we go in with the workshop. We we give them an application, and we give them an application uh, if they're getting out within twelve months. And uh, the, the session eight, when we, we talk about what's your plan, if you don't have a plan, yeah. you're planning to fail. Right. And um, so we give them some resources. Now, some of those prisoners, male and female, don't know what the Colorado Department of Corrections provides already, which is really good stuff. Because, you know, contrary to some people's belief, the Department of Corrections is trying to help prisoners not okay. come back. Yeah. Uh, some people say, ah, oh, they don't care. Well, that's just not necessarily true. And so there's a lot of resources. So we connect them to the resources that are existing on the inside, okay? Yep. But we have them fill out the application. We follow up the case manager inside. And sometimes what the prisoner tells you and what their case manager aren't one of the same. I imagine, yeah. <laughs> so we might be asking, you know, we do ask on the forum, uh, have you been written up? You know, what you were written up for? The numbers, they've, they've been bad inside. Yeah. Uh, what programs you've been doing to help yourself? You know, maybe it's the GED, getting their high school diploma, you know, you know, working a job, taking all these courses like starting over. Uh, maybe it's um, an- anger management. Uh, maybe it's uh, resume writing. Uh, you know, it's just stuff, people skills, verbal skills, communication skills that maybe they didn't have before and doing all that kind of homework. So we have them fill the application out. They'll ask, we ask them, what's your spiritual condition? Uh, well, you know, what kind of support do you have? What's your finances? What do you have, if anything, in the bank? Um, then we uh, connect with the case manager, and then we uh, communicate with them through JPay, which people can communicate with the prisoners, family members, loved ones on the inside via email. You, okay. you pay for it, and then it gets to them in, okay. a, in a hard copy form. They don't have computers, by the way. Yeah. 
And but so they don't have access to computers unless they're in a room with somebody behind them. Okay. And they have no access to the internet unless um, you know the case manager is letting them do a job app, you know, in their office and or in an educational room. Okay. So the aftercare is we do that follow up, and then while they're inside. And then we want to find, okay, where you're going. And then we will give them resources about housing, okay? Now, housing depends like halfway houses to finish their sentence off. And halfway houses are still a Department of Corrections facility. Some are not. Um, there's something called wages, which is state money um, that have ac- prisoners can have access to if they get inside the program and do the, you know, okay. um, the courses. And they can get maybe rent for, um, you know, three months. Uh, they might be given a cell phone. Uh, a burner cheap phone, flip phone, and maybe with one or two months of service, because without a phone, you're dead. You can't yeah. get, you know, yeah. most of them don't have cars, they don't have transportation. So, um, you know, we try to give them bus fares, but we do the art level best to discern if they're worthy of money. Now, um, they, the, we don't, they never get cash, but we give money to their, their home um, or maybe bus fare, we can give that to them. Right. A bicycle, uh, we give them the phone. Uh, but they, we're not going to just help everybody. Right. So if they're doing the work and we know they're legit yeah. and they're staying in communication with us, then mm. we'll step up. We get about 30 to 40 applications a month. Okay. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's four or 500 a year. And um, they're not all placed, but a large portion of them, I'd say about 30% of them are. Okay. And so, and they get, uh, they receive some le- uh, level of care. Um, we will take them on, get boots underwear stuff maybe the stuff they don't even have yeah you know like fundamental stuff like that will get provide basic um household essentials okay maybe for the first month have you seen some people do well get out of prison get get plugged into church and community and life and yes get absolutely on their feet and, no yeah. yeah and that's a process you know it yeah. takes a while and um you know they get out they get you know it takes six months of a year just to you know find their way and it's got to be a real shock culture shock right yeah, you know, there's some guys and ladies that have been in so long, they never had a cell phone. Hmm. So just that alone and yeah. social media is like mind-blowing to them, right? Yeah. And it, it's like you've been, you're you're stepping into reality hmm. uh, because in prison, even though it's reality, you don't have the stuff that you and I are accustomed to. They have televisions, right. okay? Yeah. And they have certain uh, channels they get, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but um, they, it's go, like you said, it's a culture shock. It's, you know, it's like, it's like going on a... Uh, on a short-term mission trip, yeah. you know, you're getting exposed to a third world country. You've never been there mm. and it's not what it used to be. Yeah. So it's not easy. So I would say um, a housing, employment, relationship support. Mm. And that's the relationship support is the big stuff. Okay. So they, they need to be in support and that's where the church, the church is, can come in, play at least a church, Rocky Mountain Calvary, whatever, um, you know, say, hey, you're welcome here. Right. And and we're going to, you know, if you need to talk to a pastor, just, just talk. And it doesn't mean the church has to give them money or anything, because they right. know that they're wanted. And so, yeah. you know, uh, just like when you think about Jesus, I mean, he always had an open table. When, right. when, he, when he gave the parable of the great banquet, you know, he said, hey, all come in. And all these yeah. people saying, I'm not coming. I don't want to go. You know. yeah. And But he said, go on the byways, ask the paralytics, ask the lame, you know, ask all yeah. these undesirables. Right, you know, to come into the into the, to the table, mm. and you know, if churches have that mentality, and most of them do, yeah, but they just don't know how to go about it. Right, yeah, yeah. that's powerful. It is, and you've got about ten churches partnering with uh-huh. you here in Southern Colorado. It's yeah. awesome. It is awesome. It's cool. Yeah, and so there, there's those opportunities, but I would say that when people get out there, paroled to so many different places. 
Right. Uh, they're paroled to, uh, you know, Rifle or, or Grand Junction or, yeah. or the, you know, Laramie or, you know, most from Colorado, because if yeah. they've been busted or arrested in Colorado, they're going to probably do time here or on, yeah. in parole, unless they get an interstate compact, which they, they get permission to go to another state. If they're going to another state, it's probably mom or dad or family support. Okay. Or maybe spouses or even children. Yeah. But, but the big thing, the big question that we ask, Eric, is family. Yeah. Where's mom and dad? Where's your siblings? Where are your, where's your former? Who? So, because we want to try to, you know, get them to support them as much as they can. And it seems like that's where a lot of times the big breakdown is, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like when you have that breakdown of the family structure yes. and you don't have anybody to mm-hmm. really rely on when mm-hmm. you're coming out of prison, uh, that's, it's a very lonely world, lonely place for sure. Let yeah. me paint a picture for that, just if you don't mind. Yeah, please. I'll, I'll give you one example, and it could be it's repeated thousands and if not millions of times. When I left to come here on staff at Calvary, Calvary Chapel forty something years ago, uh, that prison ministry I had in California, I stayed in contact with some of these guys, and it was a minimum security, so there was a little more communication. And he, he the guy became a trucker. He came to Christ, legit transformation. Came and called me, you know, um, and. Uh, and, and and I called him. I said, come over for dinner. Now, today, I, I, I would like to qualify that and maybe later. Yeah. But I, I had him come to my house, but I knew him, okay? And he had dinner with us. And and we're, you know, have food at the table. And my son was there, and <laughs> my wife. And he started, you know, I see a tear rolling down his, his eyes, you know. And I, I said, bro, I put my hand on his shoulder. He said, you doing okay? And he goes, man, you know what? This is the first time I've ever had a, fam- a dinner with a family wow. in my life. First time ever. Wow. Hmm. It's more common than you think. <clears throat> wow. Just say your parents were, you were in foster care. Yeah. You know, your parents were divorced. They moved away. Your dad, you don't even know who your dad is or your right. mom. And they have multiple family members. And mm. uh, But they never, mm. they've been in jail. They've been in juvenile hall. Um, but they never really had a family. Wow. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. You're listening to Crosswalk Colorado Springs with Mark Skalberg. Stay with us. You won't want to miss this last segment on 100.7, The Word. Crosswalk Colorado Springs on 100.7, The Word. Welcome back to Crosswalk Colorado Springs. This is Pastor Eric Cartier from Rocky Mountain Calvary. Mark Skalberg is with me, founder of Starting Over on the Inside. If you're wanting to connect with him, you can go to startingoverworkshops.com and and Mark, on the break, we were talking about just how much prison ministry went away uh, mm-hmm. during during COVID. Right. And could you share with us a bit about that? You know, some of the things that were happening before that, yeah. that just went away and, and the need for God to raise up yeah. laborers. Yeah, the consequences, as people are discovering all across the country, from education to um, business, um, COVID decimated so much. Hmm. And what it also decimated was volunteers. Hmm. And, uh, you know, the state of Colorado has 2,500 typically. 2,500 volunteers that do Christian ministry, and you know it's quite ecumenical. I mean, it's everything and anybody. It's it is right. it's Islam, it's Jehovah's Witnesses, it's Mormons, it's Catholics, it's just that and the other, right? Right. Which is all you know. It is what it is. And uh, Native American, pagan, you know, all kinds of organizations come in, but those volunteers are needed. Hmm. And well, when COVID hit, it um, you know they that all stopped. Yeah. Um, because people were wearing masks, they were restricted, movement was restricted. They couldn't have um, we couldn't have services. Bible studies, unless we have, uh, you know, a 
20 guys from a living unit not mm. and not we didn't mix living units because of um, uh, several people died 10,000 positives in the prison mm. and 35 people died of covid which turned into a lawsuit here in Colorado because of covid but all that meant was all these there was a mandatory vaccination for volunteers but they weren't even getting in because they didn't want them in because they couldn't manage it mm-hmm. and so then uh if there was people that were not vaxxed or weren't going to get vaxxed from churches, churches or nonprofits or whatever, um, they're not going to come in because they're not yeah. allowed in. So what that meant was about seventy five percent of those volunteers went away. Mm. So that go, you're talking about a year and a half of, of a lot of ministry reduced, almost eighty yeah. percent of ministry. So in October of a year ago, the governor uh, made it mandatory for staff uh, to be vaxxed, and a thousand people were fired. And so you got 6,500 employees in the Department of Corrections, just 1,000 left out of 6,500. Wow. And then they went to mandatory 12 hours and man- volunteer 12 hours, mm. mandatory 12 hours and mandatory 16 hours even. And wow. then six 600 people quit. So wow. the prison is trying to employ people as fast as they can. And in fact, if you're listening and you're looking for a job, <laughs> you'll pay, get paid $50,000 if you're 18 years old to come inside. So that's how desperate they are for employees. But what that meant was the uh, the volunteers, uh, they just dropped the, the mandate just only three months ago. Okay. So all those prisoners, in reference to your question, can come back, all mm-hmm. those ministries. So if you're listening and you thought, hey, maybe I'd like to just check out coming inside. Maybe I could be a volunteer with starting over the inside or some other organization uh, with your church, whatever. Um, you know, now you can go in. Hmm. And so do you guys need volunteers, Mark? How, we do need volu- how does someone volunteer with starting over? Yeah, with with uh, they fill out a consent to search, and uh, you're, you're, the people at Rocky Mountain know this, um, that I've contacted. Yeah. Um, uh, they um, they fill out just a consent to search. It's really based on your name and your driver's license and the DOC. Background vet, check. Background check. You can come, and that will provide four visits in 12 months to one prison. Okay. And I think, like a short-term mission trip, come and see – uh, to come and see and just see what you think, uh, what the environment's like. And, and uh, it, it, you know, you'll either dive in and really excited to serve, or maybe it's just not your thing. And that's, yeah. and that's okay. Yeah. Um, but um, that's the first step. Now, if they decide, hey, I want to be a full-time volunteer, then you go to a training with the DOC, Department of Corrections, for eight hours on a Saturday. And there's a presentation, there's a lunch break, but you learn a lot. I bet. And, um, and then, then you can be a regular volunteer. Okay. That's awesome. How about people that are listening that feel led to give? You know, how do they mm-hmm. get a hold of you to, to give? Yeah, uh, they. Uh, I'm going to give my personal phone number All right. of one seven one nine four nine nine eight two nine three. You can you know directly call me, or you could go as this, as you just mentioned already. Startingoverworkshops.com. You'll see starting over on the inside. You can click that. You can see testimonies, pictures of the graduates. Uh, stories, um, you know, mission, vision, those kind of things, philosophy mm. of ministry. Uh, as you go to that page, you can click donate. There's two donate buttons, clear as day, mm. and it just takes you right there. You can give online through credit card. Uh, you can give hard copy with a check. You can give uh, with e-check as well. Um, but you can also uh, sign up for our newsletter, and then that way we connect with you. And then if you have questions, you can send us an, you know, an email to that box if you want to donate, if you want to volunteer. And that that's a I, that's a personal one on one. That's awesome. Yeah, w- yeah. W- if you want to be a volunteer, and so it depends on what kind of volunteer you want to be. Yeah, that's now, great. Th- there are some volunteers that just go support to a Bible study or Sunday morning service. Starting over is different because they got to be trained by me to come inside for a long term commitment. 
Okay. Yeah. So I have trained upside. I've trained offenders who are actual facilitators in the prisons. Oh, that's cool. It is very cool. Yeah. And um, and then I do that with you know um, uh, uh, volunteers that want to be a facilitator. So yeah. that's their role. Yeah. And they facilitate small groups. All right, I'm going to throw you a little bit of curveball. Yep. We got yep. about four minutes left. Any uh, curveball. But hopefully, I can, hopefully I can hit it. Yes. So, someone's listening. They're on the outside. Yeah. They're, they're not on the inside. Mm-hmm. They're not incarcerated. Yeah. But they're feeling like, man, my life needs a reset. My yeah, life needs to to start over. You know, you've you've written this curriculum and mm-hmm. used it for 30 years. Yeah. You know, what would you speak into their life? Yeah, you know what? Take refuge in the truth that we all have to start over. We yeah. all have to start over location, vocation, relationship, health. Yeah. So we have to start that, set that reset button uh, inevitably sometime. And if you're listening right now and you know you need a fresh start, you need to start over. It starts with Jesus, of course, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I need Amen, to make my, yeah. my, my commitment to him first and, pro- and primarily. And um, but I do think I mean you, I gave my phone number so I'm I'm being real here by saying you could call me if you you know mm. just need to chat but um, you know starting over is also on the outside mm. and the website provides some some resources too but I think you know generally speaking you know when you think of the creation when God said it was good it was good it was good day one mm. day two and the last day six it's not good mm. it's not man it's not good for man to be alone we need community you can't start over by yourself. That's you need good. someone to walk with you uh, to whatever that story is you have that you're trying to process, and God's going to turn our story into his story. Yeah. But we need someone to walk with us. Yeah. And so if you're not in a ch- church community where you're connected, maybe it's a small group, but, you know, we need to be in community with somebody. Amen, yeah. And, and, and you know, maybe uh, maybe I've lost those relationships. They're there. I have to be proactive, I hate to say, you know, to to reach out to people. Maybe it's a small group. Maybe that's the context of a church. To just say, hey, um, here's what I'm going through. Pray with me. Yeah. Uh, maybe you can walk with me. Right. Yeah, I do really think, good. though, that when people volunteer together, they see some camaraderie and they right. have a sense of mission. They're, they're yeah. just for themselves. And they end up learning that we have something in common. Right. And it's a mission. And and we're partnering in the gospel. I think we'd both agree that some of our greatest relationships have been developed through serving God together. Absolutely. And when you absolutely serve in your local church, you serve through starting over yep. crossfire ministries. Like you, you find where God's calling you. Yep, you're going to make great relationships. Yeah, you know? and yeah, and I and I um, I used to be a single adult ministry at Woodman Valley Chapel pastor, and you know for a lot of years, and you know ladies and men would come to me, and you know they want to be in a relationship with someone, you know. Yeah, and I say, you know, you you can do the you know the, the yucky way, go online and find somebody like forty five million people a week do. But I would say, you know what? Find your mission first. Yeah, it's the garden revisited. You know, Adam had work to do before he met her, right? right. And you know, hey, what you what, you know, find that passion, okay, yeah. and get in that lane and start running the track. Right. And and maybe you you just keep running. You're committed to that passion, that work that God's called you to do, and and you're clear about it. And then you find someone running on the other lane next to you, right. and you begin to run that those laps together. And you say, and we start doing time. We start talking to each other. We realize we're on the same page. Hmm. And when you have something in common, like a sense of mission mm-hmm. in a relationship, and, and if you're listening and you've got a relationship, your kids are gone, they've moved out. And there's no sense of mission. You know, when you have a mission, you can do stuff together as a couple. Yeah. And I think that's what keeps couples together, that they have something that's in addition to just their relationship. That's good. That's great, Mark. Mark, well, thanks so much for coming. Eric, thank you. You're a great friend, a great partner thank in the you. gospel. Thanks for what you do in our, yeah. our city and, and also in the incarcerated. And just pray God's blessing on you, you and your family and on your ministry. And Thank you. 
If you want to get in touch with Mark, go to startingoverworkshops.com. Again, that's startingoverworkshops.com. Also, just want to remind you that this does turn into a podcast. You can search Crosswalk Colorado Springs anywhere that you stream your podcast. Thanks so much for listening. I will be back with you uh, tomorrow night from 5 to 6. And thanks again, Mark, for coming. Eric, thank you so much. God bless. God bless you, too. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.